0: Following program may be pre-recorded.
1: Good morning and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, get us connected and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we've made the connection. Our topic today is debriefing from Election Day and what's next in our nail-biting who won continuing story. And to set this this conversation up, I, I went back to our Star Tribune and i looked at the tuesday the wednesday and thursday headlines and articles so i'm going to take you back to tuesday when we were all you know finishing up putting getting those votes in i voted early several of my friends voted early but those who didn't you know made sure that they got out the vote on tuesday and top line was threats fear suspicion build to election day And it talks about Trump toying with the announcing of the 2024 bid on the eve of midterm voting. And voters go to the polls Tuesday after a campaign season so filled with conspiracy theories and lies that officials worry they will undermine the confidence in the election no matter how the balloting goes. Although early voting has been largely uneventful, 40 million Americans had already cast their ballots, the sign of the strain are everywhere. A court ordered armed activi- a court ordered armed activists to stop patrolling drop boxes in Arizona. Tens of thousands of voter registrants were challenged in Georgia. Voting right groups trained volunteers in de-escalation methods. Voters were videotaped by groups hunting for fraud as they drop off their ballots. So even the GOP officials say that they are bracing for a renewed onslaught after Election Day, one most likely to be fueled by their own party. I felt like I've been stabbed in the back repeatedly so much that I don't have anything but scar tissue, said Clint Hickman, who is a Republican on the board of supervisors in the Maricopa County, Arizona, home of Phoenix. So we went in on Tuesday with a lot of fears um, and rightly so. Uh, Democracy was on the ballot and um, the crazies of what could possibly happen was right there in front of us. Wednesday, big headline, walls in a walk. Um, Exciting. We see that the GOP takeover appears uncertain. Democrats were bracing to defend their slim majority in the House of Representatives and the Senate in Tuesday as an anxious nation rendered its midterm verdict on President Joe Biden's leadership and his party. Uh, Waltz, this was great. Tim Waltz won a second term as our Minnesota governor on Tuesday night. Wals win defied a challenging midterm environment for his own party and followed a tumultuous first term, uh, during which he contended with the COVID-19 pandemic and the destruction in Minneapolis that followed the George Floyd killing. So we had Waltz in a walk. And then by Thursday, huge DFL wins full control. State capital, major prize in election sweep. We get this beautiful uh, – it's still pretty divided, but a beautiful rendition of how the state capital has both our our Senate and House uh, turned blue. So we have a trifecta. And what looked to be the most important thing, um, row, the row ruling, remapping, turn the tide – uh, heading into the election night, Minnesota Democrats predicted, braced for what was predicted, the red wave that would give Republicans control of the legislature and deny Governor Tim Walz a second term. That wave never materialized. So what a week. Um, absolutely – Uh, uh, heart-pounding, and it still is in terms of what's going to happen next. So on Connections Radio, we always like to create an interesting connection to have us look at ideas in new and powerful ways. So our connections today is I'm going to be connecting us with a Virginia member of the Virginia – now, that's not like northern Minnesota, Virginia. This is like the state of Virginia – the Virginia member of the Virginia House of Delegates from their 48th district. Rip Sullivan. Uh, Richard uh, Sullivan, we all know him as Rip, is an American activist serving in the mem- as a member in the Virginia House of Delegates, and that area encompasses what you may have heard of in Arlington and Fairfax counties, uh, and he is a strong member of the Democratic Party. And Rip has lived in McLean for almost 50 years. Rip and his wife, Beth, are both graduates of Langley High School. Now, I have to do a true confession here. (laughs) Rip and I were both in McLean, Virginia during our high school years, and I know both Rip and his wife, Beth, and I am delighted that Rip has agreed to be with us today. Welcome, Rip.
0: Good morning, Lori. It's really great to talk to you this morning.
1: It is great. I, You know, 45 years ago, we were in high school. We graduated. And, I, you know, back then, I don't think I would have thought that 45 years from then that you and I would be uh, on a radio show talking about politics.
0: Uh, it, would, it would have been hard to predict um, that for sure. <laughs> you know, we have, we have some mutual friends who we're still friends with who love to talk about how they've been voting for me, though, for 45 years because – I was class president as long, as long ago as 45 years ago. So yes, you were. Um, and we were, we're yeah, very I, I proud always that. had a political <laughs> itch. I always had that political <laughs> itch.
1: Well, you've also fought to make Virginia stronger, cleaner, safer, more equitable for Virginians, and um, I'm very proud of the work that you do. And uh, throughout well, the show, you. I'm just going to have you talk a little bit about some of the things that you have done in Virginia. Uh, that are so closely aligned with the DFL that I am going to pronounce that you are an honorary DFLer. Oh my! that,
0: <laughs> that is an honor. Thank you very much. Absolutely, I accept. I <laughs> absolutely.
1: Accept. And I hope this will be the first of, of many conversations that we can have um, with our sister state of Virginia. Uh, And having us look at what what are the things that we can each learn from each other in in our politics um, of how we create change in in a progressive way. So with that, I'd like to start with us talking about that red wave. Um, The red wave never showed up and the predictive polls completely missed it. Um, What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, my thoughts are that uh, I'm glad I'm not a pollster. I think it's the last five years have been rough for the polling industry
2: because
0: mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of things happening in, in 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 politics in the United States, candidly, around the world, which are which are just hard to hard to measure, at least in the way that the pollsters have typically done it. Um, you know, the red wave that was that was predicted that everyone, at least on on uh, the Democratic side of the aisle, feared. Uh, you know clearly was not there at least at least when you're talking uh, globally as in you know, in the in the big picture. Um, but you know as well as I there there are there are places in Minnesota, there are places in Virginia, there are places nationally uh, that are 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 bright red um, uh, and, and and if you look at a map of Minnesota, if you look at a map of Virginia on a on a square foot basis, right? In terms of in terms of land mass, uh, Virginia uh, and Minnesota look like red states. Yep. But when you look, but when you look at it um, from a from an electoral perspective, in terms of number of votes, um, both certainly Minnesota and in, in, in my view Virginia uh, are are red states, or, or excuse me, are blue states or bluish states, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, it's all at the margins, right? Um, I've been talking to people a lot about the about the Senate uh, and you know, how excited we are. That I'm knocking wood as I say this. Uh-huh. That uh, uh, we've got a great, great chance to hang on to the United States Senate. Um, uh, but I will tell you, um, if 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 we don't, you know, God forbid we don't, um, you know, the fact that there wasn't a red wave uh, will be cold comfort. Right. I mean, once you get once you get control of the chamber, uh, how you got that control really is 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 relegated to history and and, and the stuff of for political scientists and, and and political operatives to look at. I mean, I'm reminded. You know, what do they call the person who ends who finishes last in their in their med school <laughs> class? Well, they call her doctor.
2: Exactly. Right?
0: Um, so, you know, what are they going to call Mitch McConnell? Uh, uh, if he wins, uh, if, if, he, if he wins this race by the skin of his teeth, they're going to call him leader. So <sighs> he won't care very much that there wasn't a red wave.
1: But he, um, he's got a pretty tough road to hoe <laughs> in yeah, terms yeah. of even if he does, if it does win. I have I've great hopes for Nevada. Nevada seems interesting in that some of the votes that have been coming at the end they thought would would be more trending to the Republican, but haven't. So we're 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 discovering as we go in Nevada. Um, What's your thought about Nevada?
0: Well, I've been I've been glued to these numbers, just like uh, just like everyone else. I'm looking at them right now. It looks to me like uh, the candidates right now. um, uh, Senator Cortez Masto uh, is eight hundred and fifty votes behind. Wow. uh, it, it is an effective tie, and I've got a story to tell about a tie vote. If you want to get into it later, but um, uh, yeah, there are a lot of votes still to count. It, it, and if, if any of your listeners have been watching, uh, you know, these, uh, these returns on pick your pick your outlet, CNN, MSNBC, frankly, even Fox, um, uh, it's all going to depend on where these, where and how these last votes came in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I like I like our chances of hanging on in Nevada, uh, and that of course would be a great relief, uh, making the special in Georgia still very very important, but not. The absolute pivot point that it was two years ago.
1: It was uh, definitely nail biting back then, and having both get elected two years ago was was uh, you know joyful. Just before, unfortunately, January sixth, which sort of took yeah. uh, some of the joy away from the recognition um, that that we had won the Senate. The the challenge that uh, I see in Georgia, well, I. I am puzzled to begin with about the struggle in Georgia. Uh, I, I just don't see um, how, unless it's just been doubled down so many times that Herschel Walker is, you know, seeming to be placed on some sort of pedestal, when the very things that he stands for in terms of, you know, talking about uh, abortion and talking about all of the conservative it, it does not seem to portray that in
0: his own life.
1: Um, But it doesn't seem like the hypocrisy matters.
0: Well, on the one hand, that, of course, seems shocking. Uh, Mm -hmm. On the other hand, on the other hand, if you think back uh, four years ago when Donald Trump was elected, or I guess now five years ago – we were all saying precisely the same thing. How could he, how right. did he survive that, that video coming yep.
2: out? How the did bus. he survive <laughs> uh,
0: the, 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 the famous bus? Again, yeah. you know, in, in, in politics as we knew it up to that moment in American history, uh, Donald Trump committed numerous politically fatal acts during, during that race and, and things that came out during, about, about his life. And candidly, I, I was in the camp of folks who just did not, believe he was electable. Huh.
2: Um, I, well, I hope but it that. Happened. And it
0: may, be, it may be that the most truthful thing he said in that election, or the most prescient thing he said during that election, was that he could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody who could still win the election. He had that kind of celebrity, he had that kind of hold uh, over uh, certainly his voters and then eventually over all Republican voters because they were so afraid of him. Um, and you know, the Walker phenomenon seems to me to be related uh, yeah. Born of that same sort of thing, the celebrity that he has,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, uh, you know, we, we've all known that he was going to get well north of forty percent. The question is, could he get up to fifty percent? Um, and 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 now, or at least potentially, depending on what happens in Nevada, the race would not be from the Republicans' perspective so much. It would would Herschel Walker be a good senator? The question that that the, the the strategy the republican strategy will, will pose to voters is let's elect Herschel Walker because he will block Joe Biden. Um, that would be the motivating factor they could they could, but they they could they, elect they may, a rock.
1: they may be surprised in that if he is a uh such a trump devotee, Trump has not been uh, you know a a good um uh
0: happy player. <laughs>
1: With a Team, player. Party. Team player. Team yeah. yeah. <laughs> So who well, knows th- what they get? I, yeah.
0: The the most important vote that uh, any legislator, whether you're at my level in the state legislature or at the at the federal level in, in Congress, the most important vote that that legislator ever casts is when you're organizing the body. Yeah. Whose side are you going to are you going to vote for Mitch McConnell or at least a Republican? You're going to are you going to caucus with the Republicans or not? Hard to believe that Herschel Walker um, or, God forbid, Adam Laxalt uh, wouldn't. Um, and that that changes everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All the chairmanships, all of who controls the rules, who controls what bills get to the floor. Uh, forget about how they might vote on one thing or another. When you give one party or the other the control, the, 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 the steering wheel, if you will, um, uh, they get to control the agenda. They get to control what, 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 what potentially at least comes out of any chamber. Um so, uh, uh, you know, unless and until Herschel Walker were to say, I'm going to vote for Chuck Schumer instead of Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Uh, uh, frankly, as I said, that, that that is the most consequential vote that he would that he would cast. But I hate talking about. Herschel Walker uh, even theorizing <laughs> that he might be casting yeah. any votes in the United States Senate. It, it uh, just continues. I'm confident that, that, that Senator Warnock will, will win that if it comes to
1: that. I believe he will. And I believe that um, when it comes down to just the vote between them, that there's not going to be a big change from what people have already uh, voted. Plus, I think he'll it'll be strengthened. Uh, that, that's my well, The
0: Well, the scary part to, to my way of thinking is – it, obviously, there's been a lot made of the fact that uh, Walker dramatically underperformed Brian Kemp mm-hmm. by, by, I think several hundred thousand mm-hmm. votes. If I have this right, um, and so what happens in a in a runoff to those Republicans who voted for Kemp but did not vote for Walker? Do they come back? Do any of them come yeah. back? Do enough of them come back, uh, motivated by, as I said? Uh, the national political implications rather than the actual merits of, right. of, of, they, uh, of his candidacy.
1: They may not even want to vote. <laughs>
0: <You mean that? laughs> they may not? Well, that would be fine with me. Yeah, that, that would, would be, be fine with me as well. Stay home. Stay
2: home. <laughs>
1: and with that, we'll we'll wrap up this segment. Uh, and you are listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And we're going to continue our conversation about what's next Uh, for our country and our elections. So stay with us. We'll be back just after a few great announcements and commercials. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. So glad you've joined us today. We're having a debrief in one way of what happened on uh, November 8th and a looking forward, uh, still kind of biting our fingernails as to what's next. And joining us today is Rip Sullivan. Rip is both an activist in the DFL, I call him DFL already, in the Democratic Party. We've made Rip an honorary uh, Minnesota DFL. Um, And it's just great to get perspective uh, from other states uh, as we look to what the future of our democracy will be in this election, uh, as well as just lessons learned. Uh, I'm going to actually start with that, uh, Rip. I I know we talked about maybe having it a little later in the program, but I think it's so important. You worked very hard um, in your state legislature uh, for your House delegates. To turn that blue, I'd love to have you share that story and, and how you worked at that and, and some lessons learned for us to be thinking about. Because right now, the DFL party is pretty excited that we've got the trifecta and that we've won full control. And you've gone through that, that wonderful taste of uh, trifecta, but you've also learned some I, lessons.
0: I have. And, and congratulations, by the way, to, to Minnesotans. Uh, to the DFL for for taking the trifecta. I know uh, what a heavy lift that is. Um, uh, Just to give you some background, uh, Lori, and and for your listeners, um, Virginia uh, has been trending blue. I I don't need to give you uh, an exegesis on on redistricting, um, uh, but we were operating under maps that had been drawn by Uh, a huge Republican majority in the Virginia legislature. Uh, So we really had to claw our way back. And uh, I was actually the campaign chair for the House Democratic Caucus uh, in the 2017 and 2019 cycles. And those dates are going to sound odd to your listeners, but that's because Virginia holds its uh, state elections uh, and its local elections in the off years, the odd years. So Virginia has uh, uh, uh if you can believe it, elections every year oh my gosh uh, federal federal in even years all the state elections do the on down in in odd years and it is exhausting it yeah. is absolutely a, uh, a an issue we face as voters uh simply wish they could take a break but we uh in 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 2000, 2017 um, uh, uh, race the Democrats in the House of Delegates, which has 100 members, were down around. We were, I think, I was number 34. Um, so we were deeply mired in the minority. We won 15 seats that year uh, in a huge. And that really was a wave election. Yeah. Uh, and then two years later, in 2019, uh, we got over the top and won another another six races uh, and had a 55 seat majority, um, paired with a Senate, a very slim Senate majority.
2: And can uh, I put you on pause
0: and, for
1: just a second and, sh- and share who you got elected that was just so heart-renderingly beautiful? <laughs> tell, tell us about some of the folks yeah. that you got elected.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, during the time, during those four years as we were expanding into the majority, uh, the, it, it was just so gratifying because the Virginia House of Delegates started to really look like Virginia. Yeah, uh, We elected more women uh, to the point that, Uh, We now actually have uh, a majority women caucus uh, in the house, in the house. Uh, We are more, uh, you know, more people of color. We are a, we are truly a citizen legislature in Virginia. We meet even less often than the Minnesota legislature. All of us have jobs. And so we were, we elected teachers, we elected farmers, we elected nurses, um, uh, people from all walks of life. Uh, We can claim the first uh, Latina elected, um, the first, Asian American uh, elected. So it, it was just remarkable how suddenly the House began to look much more like much more like Virginia. So we took the trifecta uh, in 2019 and had the majority in 20 and 21. Uh, so we stood where you all are now. And um, I will tell you that from my perspective, uh, uh, new majorities are wonderful, but they are uh, really uh, they're really hard for a variety of reasons. One, there's the, there's the, there's the issue that they you know, haven't been in power in a while, and there's, a, there's sort of a learning curve. But more importantly, there will be always a temptation to do everything all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can, and so the, the theory is you should. Um, uh, on the other hand, uh, particularly in today's politics, which, which can ping pong so rapidly, um, you know my my advice to to the DFL would be um, choose your battles um, and think through whether in fact you do want to do everything at once um, and it's a very difficult it's a very difficult decision-making process because you don't want to get to the end uh, and, and you know to the end of the session uh, where you might face uh, uh, losing the majority and not have done something uh, really dramatic and we did a remarkable a, a huge number of Unthinkable, previously unthinkable things in Virginia. We abolished the death penalty. We passed uh, a groundbreaking uh, uh, energy policy, getting us on the path to clean energy by 2045. We we uh, made it so much easier to vote in Virginia that we rocketed to the top of the list in terms of making doing away with these these, these, these uh, restrictive, uh, some would say Jim Crow, uh, election laws. Um, we, we, we engaged in a great deal of, of, uh, of criminal justice reform. We passed the ERA. We did things that just had been unthinkable literally months earlier. Uh, and we believe, I believe, um, really brought Virginia forward, uh, in a progressive way, in a, in a way that is, was very, very gratifying. The end of the story, as you, uh, <laughs> as you, uh, uh, sort of previewed to your viewers or your, your listeners. Uh Is that last year we lost the majority um and we are now we are now working hard to get it back. I have a gif that I attach to texts and emails these days where which is an animation of Sisyphus watching his <laughs> boulder roll back down to the bottom of the mountain, um, which is kinda how I feel, you know we gotta we gotta pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and next year 2023 uh, we need to win a um, uh, frankly just a couple of seats and we will get the majority back and that's that's
1: that's the plan and and to and to emphasize how closely aligned your policies and what you find is important with what the DFL party is it's just you know, the equitable economy you know you fought hard to make sure that there's workforce training programs strengthening um, public yeah. schools um, sustainable Virginia with getting um, a rebate program for purchasing or leasing electric vehicles, and getting the the school buses and buses to have that electric, um, and also the scourge of gun violence. Uh, I know that um, you are a parent who attended not only the public schools, but your your um, your son went to Virginia Tech, so
0: that he did uh, and. and uh... Uh, going to that memorial for the for the um people killed in the Virginia Tech shooting uh is, is just incredibly moving uh yeah this is Virginia uh, you know where the the NRA and the CDL mm-hmm. Citizens Defense League um hold a tight grip on things we we have mm-hmm. open carry and all sorts of lenient gun laws but we were able to pass while we had the majority uh bunch of gun safety legislation. I've carried something called the red flag law, which we now have in Virginia, uh, which provides uh, a mechanism for, for people who are worried about a loved one or someone, a neighbor, um, who might be of, uh, at risk of harm to themselves or others, um, to, to get, to go to court and get that gun taken away from that person, at least temporarily until, until the, that risk goes away. So just a lot of really exciting uh, and terrific progressive things. Um, I'm not here to tell your your listeners that because we did that, we lost the majority No, Uh, because I don't think that's what happened. Um, But uh, that certainly in some way, it was a part of the soup uh, that ended up losing us the majority. And and one of the things I hope we talk about before the end of of the hour is these incredibly thin margins, whether we're talking about a house of delegates race here in Virginia, or whether we're talking about a Senate race or for that matter, a presidential race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the difference between us being in the majority today—the three seats that took us from you know, 51 down to 48—you uh, add up the, the margins in each of those, and you're at less than a thousand votes. So, three seats, less than a thousand votes, tips the balance of power in the chamber. And, um,
1: and I find so it—I it, find it interesting. In maybe a, um, it, there's something about the voters seeming to want that. I mean, they want us to have Mm -hmm. uh, debate. Uh, They want us to work through and not be partisan. I think uh, Biden's gotten kind of a bum rap, but the things that he's done in a bipartisan way has been pretty amazing. So it's complicated. (laughs) It's complicated with why people vote the the way they did and how did COVID impact uh, that feeling and what kind of cultish behavior came out of the fear of COVID and the dis- denial of COVID as well as denial of voting. I have run over and I, I usually do this. <laughs> it's such a good okay. conversation. I can't. I don't want to stop. But um, we will come back. Uh, we are lis- You are listening to AM 950, The Progressive Voice of Minnesota. And I promise we'll continue our conversation soon. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Maury Fitz, your host, and our topic today is looking at our election day and our elections. We haven't quite made up our mind yet, or we haven't quite been able to count all the votes to know exactly who's won. Uh, But we do know here in Minnesota that we've got the trifecta and the DFL wins full control. And our guest today is a... uh, a member of the Virginia House of Delegates, and that's not (laughs) our northern Minnesota, Virginia. This is the state of Virginia. And he's able to give us some perspective on many of the goals and ideas that we're struggling with here in Minnesota and how he has been working with the state legislature in Virginia to make a difference. And we're so glad that you're with us today, Rick. Thank
0: you, Lori. It's been a lot of fun. It is fun.
1: It is fun. so we were we ended the, with uh, talking about we're we're so close it's it's a divi- no matter who wins it's 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 a divided uh divided country a divided state in terms of uh just thousand just a thousand or less votes determining um who takes control. But you made the point in the last segment about how that control is really important because it really does determine um, how uh, how committees are formed, uh, how priorities are are set out. So there is there is good reason to continue our nail biting um, and not knowing exactly uh, where where we're going. But I I do take some solace in that it feels like democracy uh, in the voting polls won, uh, and that. Folks looked at extremism and said, I don't think so. Uh, is it a referendum on Trump? Well, they've had, you know, he's had three cycles of losing. Um, and I think even the Wall Street ju- uh, Journal called him a loser. Uh, and of course, he hates that more than anything else. Is it a referendum, you know, on crazy politics and liars? Or is there something resonating with Biden at a deeper level that allows us to go, well, he's at least making sense, and he's portraying a view of the future. And I think his his speech that he did that was a rallying about what does democracy mean may have stirred both Democrats and Republicans. What's your thought?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there was a raging debate within the Democratic Party uh, nationally and, and all around the country as to whether that was the right strategy, um, uh, simply because uh, you know, the Republicans had tried to make the election uh, about, quote, kitchen table or pocketbook issues. And I think if there were uh, if you were if you were meeting with someone who, who you know, makes their living as a political strategist, he or she would tell you that um, those are the kinds of issues that, that motivate voters. Mm-hmm. Inflation is no you know, hard. It, it wasn't exactly rocket science. To why the Republicans were focusing on inflation, it wasn't exactly rocket science. As to why the Republicans were fight, were, were focusing on crime, those are the kinds of issues that 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 typically historically have moved voters. Um, but you know, voting is an emotional uh, decision, probably more than a rational decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do think that we're going to find that the 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 democracy issue in the president's speech. Uh, and, and other people who were talking around, about it around the country uh, was 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 at least a key part of why this red wave uh, did not materialize. Because uh, I, I do think that um, uh, what we've seen over the course of the last year, um, the, the last several years, uh, has got people has got people nervous. You know, I, I had an interaction. I'll, I'll take 90 seconds to tell you this story. Please do. During the last session of the General Assembly, when the war in Ukraine had broken out, and one of my colleagues from the other side of the aisle got up one day and started bemoaning the fact that he'd filled up his car, or excuse me, his truck, uh, and it cost him $70 or something. And so this turned into a speech about how Joe Biden was responsible for gas prices going up and, and that sort of thing. Um, that very next morning, uh, I was watching CNN, and uh, uh, the woman who is the Speaker of the Ukrainian Parliament was interviewed. Um, I believe her last name is Uksanova. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, she was urging at that point, this was back in February, she was urging the United States to do more in terms of uh, shutting off Russian gas and that sort of thing. And she looked into the camera and she said, uh, I know that Americans are worried about paying a few more cents at the pump, but Ukrainians are dying. Our children and our fathers and our brothers are dying. Um, and it, uh, you know, it just, put the whole thing in perspective um, uh, and I gave a speech about it on the floor that that, that very day not belittling the, the, the difficulties that Americans were facing uh, particularly when it came to their pocketbooks but at least asking people to put things in perspective uh, and to recognize that our democracy is still something that that the world looks to that Ukrainians uh, want to be like want to preserve and we need, to preserve our democracy, and I think that that has resonated with an awful lot of Americans uh, because of what we've seen and experienced over the course of the last five years. And I think it, to
1: assume that voters are just going to care about inflation on the whole. Of course, I can see you know a politician getting up there and trying to you know create you know anger and frustration. But on the whole, we're much more complicated, I think, than polls or. Uh, we we ourselves give credit to in terms of voting, yeah I think suburban women l- l- very much look at inflation they look at you know crime, but they also care about their right to have um, to make their own decisions about their body and it, they care about ukraine they care about lots of things uh, and i think Warnock said it, I thought, best, and it, it, it's in line with what you were saying about you know uh, a vote is a hope, but it's also a prayer. I mean it's a deeply spiritual uh, – what do we want to be? Who are we? And what do we want as – and we are the leaders in that moment when we go into that, that voting ballot box. We we are our country's leaders. How do we want to lead and what does our vote mean is very powerful. And yes,
0: it is. It is. I will tell you, I walked into one polling place uh, uh, on Tuesday and there were two members of the Ukrainian parliament there as observers trying to learn about democracy from the United States. And it was unbelievably inspiring uh, that despite all of our difficulties, uh, we're still the place that the world comes to 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 try to see how democracy works. I, I think you are exactly right. I think trying to look for one reason that the wave didn't happen. Uh, is 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 a bit of a fool's errand. It's good. I think the history books will show that it was a variety of different reasons, including the Dobbs decision. There's just no question um, that while the election drew, drew, drew near, a lot of pollsters said, ah, it seems to be falling off the radar screen. I just don't think that's right. I think it was crucial to, again, at the margins in mm-hmm. some races, some very important races, uh, to to women and men who support those Absolutely. women. Absolutely. Uh, they say that there's to, about
1: thirty percent of the voters across the board. Thirty percent of the voters listed that as number one. So yeah, I think that's it a just big number. That's people a big didn't number. talk about it maybe, but they just it was it was inside our hearts that this is just wrong and we reacted to it being wrong. We I, I'm having such a wonderful time with our conversation. And I keep running over, so I need to make sure that we can have a fourth segment. So stay with us to continue our conversation. Um, we'll be wrapping up uh, our Virginia Minnesota conversation about what's next in just a few short minutes. Thanks for staying with us. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter and we make the connections. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our topic today has been looking at debriefing as well as looking to the future as to what's next uh, with who's going to win and who's going to have the majority, our continuing story. And joining us is a state of Virginia, member of the Virginia House of Delegates, and um, Rip Sullivan oversees the 48th district of both Arlington and Fairfax counties. Welcome, Rip. We're so glad you've been here today.
0: Thanks, Lori. Thanks very much for having
1: me. Oh, it's great! Great stuff. Uh, I, I, I want to end with more lessons learned, uh, and I want to start with, of course, I was so enamored with Fetterman winning Pennsylvania. Um, Bobby Kennedy once said, "When you have a problem, you put your your lantern to that problem." And Fetterman did here's this guy who has this major stroke, um and in other elections in the past, that may have eliminated him completely, but he owned it, he embraced it, and he was the guy that got knocked down and got up again, and I think Pennsylvania resonated with that over the slick uh dr oz and i I, I have to say it, it brought tears when I saw that he won. I thought it was amazing.
0: I think you're right. Uh, from a from a pure you know, political, operative, tactical perspective, they made a very gutsy decision uh, with respect to that debate. Yeah. Um, uh, not doing the debate obviously had a huge downside and opened them up to to uh, criticism uh, uh, and attack. Doing and a mystery.
1: Like, how bad is it? You
2: know?
0: I, yeah. Well, precisely. Yeah. yeah. He won't he won't debate. Why won't he debate? Right. Uh, right. Doing the debate of course um uh opened him up to sort of a different line of of attack so it was a huge it was a huge decision they, uh, i don't want to call it a gamble, but it was it was a, it, it, it had lots of risks um and i hope i hope you are right i think you are right um that what it ultimately did was uh, humanize him even more mm-hmm. he's, he's you know obviously you know let's be you know let's let's just put it out there he is not your quote, typical politician, no. whatever that means. No. Um, and, traditional. He's you know, not I'm, the traditional. I'm, I'm traditional. Sure. That's, a bit, that's a better word. That's a better word. But, you know, I'd like to think that what he is is someone whom everyone knows in one way or another, right? Everyone has yeah. a family member who's had a challenge yeah. uh, of some kind, um, in this case, you know, a health challenge. And um, uh, it, it, it 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 made him real and relatable even more than he... Than he was before. Uh, so I think it ended up helping him. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, like you, I'm, I'm just I'm just thrilled. I, I have deep family roots in Pennsylvania and, and um, uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled about what's happening there. Uh, and it's not going to change. I mean, you, the, the, new, the, the 2024 election starts now. Yep. And not surprisingly, Pennsylvania is going to be uh, in the middle of that. And how great. That Pennsylvania now also has a trifecta, yeah, because um, they took back their house as well, and um, uh, you know, that's just going to it's going to redound to everyone's benefit as, as as the next presidential election moves.
1: It's been a pivot so, state. So,
0: congratulations to Pennsylvania.
1: Yes, big shout out, shout out to yep. to Pennsylvania and to Fetterman and the voters who made that happen.
0: I should I should add that the fellow running the house, uh, the Pennsylvania House uh strategy uh with the fellow who helped us here in Virginia. Um and he's uh he's a remarkably talented young man who now has two chamber flips to his credit. So interesting. um, He's got a bright future.
1: Well we only have a couple minutes left and I just wanted Mm -hmm. to leave some time for you to have some closing thoughts on where you think we're gonna go from here and um any other advice you have for Minnesota from your perspective in the work that you've been doing in Virginia.
0: Oh, my! yeah, a uh, softball like that, <laughs> uh, yeah, with only a few minutes yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a real challenge, you know I do sense um uh, that we, we we may finally be at a pivot point with respect to Trump. you know here in Virginia, uh, we've actually had a couple uh, members of the general Assembly uh, and our lieutenant governor. Uh, essentially throw him over the over the railing, saying we're done with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's why we lost, mm-hmm. uh, and they're ready to move on from him. And I, I, my own view is um, Donald Trump could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and we would still have the same problems we yeah. have now yeah. in terms of what's going on in the Republican Party uh, and what he had done to the Republican Party. Um, and there's a part of me that doesn't want the Republican party to be able to pivot and simply say, Oh, who's Donald Trump? We're we've, we've abandoned him. He's, you know, look at us now yeah. um, because they need to be held accountable for, for, uh, for, enabling,
1: for enabling, for and, enabling and enabling him. And they're exactly. going to win primaries, but maybe not the election. And maybe that's the big wake up call for them to be thinking yeah, through.
0: I think you're exactly right. Now, neither can we turn 2024 into, uh, you know, if if he were to not be the nominee, there would be a there would be a there would be a temptation to, to try to sort of make him the nominee in and, running against Trump.
1: And I'm going to have to have you oh, back because I've got like 13 there. seconds now. There we go. There
0: we go. <laughs> so we'll, well, we'll
2: come
1: back and we'll talk about the election of, of 2024. Minnesota. You've been a joy. Thank you so much be, for joining I'll be us watching today. Watching
0: what you do with great interest up there. Thanks, All Laura. right.
1: Take care. Have bye a great bye. one. And thanks for joining us on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota.
2: Music